Welcome to Lens in Light, the podcast that invites photographers from diverse backgrounds to share their adventures and experiences. Your host, Amber Braxton, a fine art photographer, is excited to bring you valuable tips, tricks, and recommendations to help you take your photography skills to the next level. From hilarious moments to insightful conversations, join us as we explore the exciting world of photography together. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the fascinating world of photography. So over the last few weeks, I've been very obsessive over what impact artificial intelligence is going to have on the art community and more specifically photography or digital art. Um, And it's been kind of freaking me out. And I know we talked a little bit about artificial intelligence and how it relates to the art community in last week's episode with Kirsten. Um, But this week I decided to bring my husband on the show. Um, My husband is quite possibly the smartest person that I know and I fully trust his background in science and math. And I think that he has a lot of really great uh, insight into the world of artificial intelligence. And I just kind of wanted to pick his brain on how it might impact the art community and to also maybe talk about my fear about it a little bit. We'll see if he makes me feel better by the end of this episode. So, Sean, how would you introduce yourself? Well, I think we've been longtime business partners and uh, lifetime adventurers. Certainly, we are husband and wife, but I think more importantly, we're two creative souls that feed off of one another's energy. We do a lot of new art projects and experiments. And we also do a lot of, like, goal-setting things that are, like, obtainable. Not, how am I trying to say? Not so creative, but they're more technical. Um, Like, for example, we do a lot of storm-chasing photography. And both of us had to learn how to read, you know, the cloud information. How to see... Radars. Yeah, learn how to read the Doppler radars. Yeah. Sounding diagrams for weather And also, like, we had to learn how to look at it and be able to tell what is going to happen right. too. Like on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like the radar Sometimes only... the radar, sometimes we're there before the radar mm-hmm. can put out information because we're there. Yeah, because we're trying to get ahead of it or trying to get on the right side of it so the heavy wet rain isn't coming right towards us. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. what, what is it? Usually that the tail, you want to be on the back tail of the thunderstorm. Yeah. Because it leads with the rain clouds. Yeah, and the rainbows. And the rainbows, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rainbows. I don't know if I made it better for you or worse for you explaining how they work with explaining the... Oh, like, explaining how rainbows work? Yeah, with the like refraction light and the total internal reflection of the rain droplets. They're still pretty magical to me. Okay. Well, I mean, I think they're magical from like a physics standpoint. And I'm happy that I can kill it for you. <laughs> no, they're still magical to me. I think science is magical, though. You know what I mean? Like, knowing how rainbows work doesn't take the magic out of it for me because the fact that they exist in and of itself is magical to me. Yeah, Miss Frizzle was like the OG. Seriously. (laughs) I love her. 
the Neil deGrasse of her time. <laughs> Man. Except she did a lot of things without any, like, parents' uh, permission. Like, going in Arnie's body when he was sick. <laughs> yeah. Probably should have signed a waiver on that, because, like... And did they all sign field trip waivers? Or field not. Trip? I think they were, like, on permanent. I think maybe they were orphans. Maybe, maybe they were orphans. I don't know. <laughs> no. We Arnie never got, got to see parents. what their home life was like. I feel like Arnie had, like, overbearing parents. Magic school bus, man. That takes me back to grade school. And, like, you'd walk in. Mm-hmm. And the TV would be on the TV cart. Mm. Yeah. I loved seeing those TV carts in the classroom. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't have, like, fucking cinder blocks strapped to the bottom of them. Because I feel like I, it was always a TV, and it was up way high. Yeah, it was like a three-tier thing, and yeah, it was and way the high. Yeah, like, on the... And those TVs back in those days were heavy I as know. fudge. That's what I'm saying. Like, they could have just fell forward and crushed the kid. They didn't care. No. What do they have now? Projectors? Projectors. Well, I don't even... They, might they just... don't even get that feeling of walking into the classroom and seeing a VCR and knowing that that day is going to be a good day because the projector's always going. They're always looking at the projector. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like I had a lot of bad days with TVs, a lot of, like, shitty infor informational, like, had been gone through, I don't know, sort of like a corporate filter. Oh, it wasn't like Bill Nye the Science Guy and shit? Fuck no, never. Oh, I had Bill Nye the Science Guy. It was like learning language. And, uh, how does that song go? Bill the Bill song. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Not the Bill guy. Nye the Science Guy. Oh. The Bill song. Oh, the Bill of Rights Schoolhouse Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. Anyways, that's what I had. Yeah. Um, I guess we had that. I don't remember that far back. And, like, you would walk into class, and you would see the VCR, and you would just be like, oh my gosh, we get to watch something cool today. Yeah. That's you didn't just... get that? I didn't yeah. like being in school in the first place. I know. I was just like, uh... I don't like English. So then, okay, uh, why hmm. tell tell everyone what you went to school for, or maybe why why you chose that path? How did you end up going to school? What path did I even choose? How did you end up going to school if you hate school? Yeah, yeah. I think Amber's touching upon the fact that I went to school for physics and math, uh, applied physics, applied math. Got a double degree, worked in atomic sciences for a while. Um, and then she's, yeah, so getting on this path wasn't always on this path. I always wanted to do art. Always liked drawing. Never really got super good at it, but I'm decent. I think seeing other people out there really humbles the fuck out of you. And you're like, when you strive for realism and you can't get there, and then you see someone that delivers on it, and you're like, why do I even bother trying? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. Um, which, you know, realistically, I probably made the better life choice now, not having banked on doing art. But but then you went and married an artist. <laughs> I went and married an artist. Um, but you weren't an artist at that time. 
No, I worked in mental health, which is... Dying art. (laughs) Which is... Not even supported as art. Not even supported as, like, a real I basically volunteered my time, okay? Yeah. I was a volunteer. Yeah, I know. The world's a fucked up place. Don't support mental health enough. Um, But I hide away in my shell of science and engineering. And I like doing my shit. So, yeah. So now I work in optics and do optical engineering. Ten years ago, I was in my bachelor's program. We just met... No. We met ten years ago. Eleven years ago, I mean. Yeah, so I was like first year bachelor's yeah. program. Um, I didn't know that I wanted to go to school for physics. Or math, for that matter. I wanted to go for um, environmental engineering. Because I cared a lot about the environment at the time. I mean, I did a lot of volunteer service, surprisingly. To be fair, you still care a lot about the environment. I do. do. Yeah, that hasn't changed. Okay, so tell me um, what you have to do with photography. Tell me why you're here. Well. Not what we're going to talk about yet. We'll get there in a second. But tell me how you relate to photography. What's your interest there? You mean not like, not in the way that we're coupled, but why do I enjoy photography? I mean, either or. <clears throat> I mean, we already talked a little bit about how you and I are coupled. Yeah. Right? And how we join together science and photography and art a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of different projects that you and I have worked on. Right. That are incredible, like water droplet photography. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh... Storm chasing, obviously. Yep. M- uh, Milky Way. Yep, astrophotography. Astrophotography. We're now learning and starting to track the northern lights. Yep, yep. More about um, astro- astronomy photography and that. So everyone knows why. Astronomical weather, I guess. Yeah. Everyone knows that I love photography, but. Yeah. I, you know, I like to explore a lot of the boundaries of what like a technology could do and see what I could make in that creative space. And so like, remember back to, this is like another science experiment we did. Um, but I also like the visual appearance of things. Um, much of your style is like rich in contrast and color and breadth of tone. And especially when you use like, you know, a cool and a warm tone together, it creates this like beautiful, mixture that's just very pleasant to the eyes like there's all these great things you could do visually that are stimulating mm-hmm. <clears throat> i like that in the sense of like where can i push the boundaries like right now in your your room that's you have this beautiful lamp it's um old plastic lamp it's but looks like a barrel almost and it's decorated with these colored pegs that go through the barrel and sort of like an old school light bright. light bright yeah yeah um and I know that's near and dear to you. That's your grandfather's light, right? Yeah. I think it was actually my grandma's, but I my grandma died when I was really young, like I was six. And so it was always on, and I just associated it with being in my grandpa's house. Yeah. And that's but like... I think he kept it up because it was my grandma's. I feel I've seen similar lights in, like, my grandparents' house. Yeah. And, like, that... In my mind, I'm like, I want to capture that essence of what I feel and associate with that. <clears throat> and I want to 
you know, hold it and remember it. Um, and that's why photography is really cool to me because it's like one of these things that you can use to, it, it doesn't work necessarily for everybody, but for you, it can be a whole association of emotions with just one piece of imagery. Yeah. And I think that's like extremely powerful. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> uh, we're going to jump into our next topic of discussion, which is AI and how it relates to, uh, photography, digital art, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, just clarify AI, we're talking artificial intelligence, right? Artificial intelligence. Okay. AI. Not Adobe Illustrator. Correct. <laughs> Artificial intelligence in art. And basically what that means is AI is any artwork that is created with the use or help of artificial intelligence. Um, basically what the interwebs told me was it's a field of computer science mm -hmm. that builds machines to mimic human thought processes. And it generates products that are so lifelike, you may think a human produced them. Mm -hmm. um, so AI scares me in regards to being a photographer. Um, I talked about this on the episode, last week's episode. And I just thought it would be interesting to bring a scientist on the show to get your perspective on artificial intelligence and if it's something that I have to worry about worry about so there's a few things there to unpack and just let you understand that you know we all even like most of hype news and tech and world we all say that hey this is artificial intelligence I think there's like two things to address there like a yes it is artificial like it is being created it's not real um but at what point do you understand how real intelligence is made? And then the second thing is the word intelligence. Um, what defines intelligence? Is it its capability to make its own decisions and have free will? Or is it that it can basically give you a desired output from some random input? I think there's like a couple things to understand here. Um, okay. But AI is built to learn. Yes. And traditional systems are designed to give an output, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, AI is designed to learn off of what the input is, I guess. Yeah, it knows when the output is not correct. Well... The fact that it's built to learn, though. Yeah, it is built to learn. Which I also want to state that I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Uh-huh. I am not saying I'm anti-artificial intelligence. I'm just saying it feels threatening to my artwork. Yeah. Okay. One of the things to bring up with uh, what you were just saying about is my job like in danger or is my artist thing in danger? Uh-huh. And I heard your episode with um, Kirsten, Kirsten, right? Uh-huh. From the other week. And, uh, you guys were talking about 
where does it get its content from? Where does it get its images from? Where does it know? How does it know to take these words and put them into forms or art? Like, where does it get that representation of the word? And I just saw or read about a lawsuit today from Getty Images to, oh man, what is the name? Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to find the name in the article. But um, it's between one of the largest like AI art image generators out there, and um, and they were saying that was they, it Dolly or whatever. No, it wasn't OpenAI's. It was um, oh, it's like a term to mean like a oh, displacement. No, spreading of water almost, um, mm. like a dispersing of information. But I forgot disperse maybe. Um, God, where was I going with that? Yeah, so there's a lawsuit against them because Getty Images ended up finding themselves in the content that was being used to inform it. And you get into this weird realm where it's like, well, now you get photos that people, like, intentionally put um, watermarks across to, like, stop people from copying the content. And this AI art generator is using that and removing like the objects and doing recognition, recreating all of it without the water marked content. And you know, just for proof of principle, I went on and tried this. I was like, okay, if I took this image that clearly has this watermark in the background and I laid it out, I told it the prompt was exactly what the image is. Let's say like it was, I think one of them was um, Islands Shore and I said, Island Shore, and then gave it a picture that had like watermarks across it that clearly anybody else would notice and put it back through the generator. It like spit it back out almost perfectly without any of the watermarks on it. And so like, wow, that feels really awful. Cause if it's doing that to what I asked it and taking that watermark, that means certainly if that is their content that they're pulling from. This is exactly what I'm saying. The content you can get. This is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> this is why I'm scared. Yeah, but they're in a lawsuit, and I think this class action lawsuit... But how are they going to monitor that? How are they going to say what content they can use and what content they can't use? There's so much data out there. Yeah, that's open source. Too. That's open source. Like Reddit, You once it gets shared, you don't know where it goes. Right, yeah, certainly. Someone else could be taking it and then re-uploading it as their own, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that scares me about AI, too, is you can take your image, put it in there, and recreate something that's even more magical because it's obviously using artificial like, intelligence. Yeah, off your base image, like, it's now been a re-inspiration of the image. And, and I feel like it's, um, what happens when that becomes the new norm? Like, think about it with movies, like how you and I were just talking about how, mm -hmm. like, Everything is CGI now, and everything is so over the top with movies that we don't know how to act in a world with a movie that might be boring. Right, like, it doesn't have all the explosions, the light shows, the fluorescing fauna, the, like, every little thing is like... A and so when this becomes the new baseline for art, what then... I'm already chasing storms... I'm already putting myself in harm's way to get images that people don't see on the reg. Yeah. AI 
It's creating unrealistic expectations because artists are not going to be able to naturally produce photographs that look like AI. And so what happens when AI becomes the new expectation for art, digital art, mm-hmm. um, and then we can't reach that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm already putting myself in tornadoes and shit. <laughs> what else <laughs> what else do I need to do? Yeah. To make sure that my art cannot be replicated. Because ultimately that is what I'm doing, right? Is I'm mm-hmm. putting myself in these situations that not a lot of people are going to be putting themselves into. Right. Therefore they're not going to be creating the art that I'm creating. Therefore, I'm hopefully creating things that people haven't seen before, which is scary to me because AI does the same thing. Yeah. I think um, it'll be interesting, by the way, going back to what I was saying before, the lawsuit with Getty Images is against Stable Diffusion, which is the algorithm that incorporated the Getty Images as a stock reference. Um, but going back to what you were saying, there is like an, it's interesting because like, is it not different art? It did use yours as like the inspiration. So I guess there's two things. Wait, let's unpack that. Because I think you addressed one of the things being recreating the same imagery or making it better, which is like, I can't live up to this expectation. Like people are expecting this thing's being sold as like the new photographic standard and then that's what people are expecting, but it's not even real. It's like, how can you live up to that? And it becomes so hard. And I think the world at large suffers from like this identity crisis, trying to live up to an expectation that is like unobtainable for most. Yeah. Um, like beauty, profession, uh, wealth, happiness, all these things. We have this like very, foggy idea of what it is and we're all racing towards it but we also have no way of knowing once we've reached it you know it's kind of this crazy thing but with the art and having to live up to the expectation yeah I don't know I think there might be more value in like the authenticity and the grit and the imperfections eventually and, like, sort of, like, now how we can go back and we're, like, oh, I kind of, like, vinyl a lot now. Because it has this, like... Like that scratchy sound. It has, yeah, this, like, random act process. Like, now that everything's synthesized, it's kind of, like, oh, I want to hear some, like, original processing. Something that is raw. You know, I want that rawness of the music itself. I want that live music. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> in a way, music's kind of gone through this art form, right? through this transformative, like, not a not something intelligent, but now they have something that's all digitally and can recreate a lot of the, you yeah. know, the string instruments, the wood instruments. Like, they sound pretty damn good. I'm hoping that what this ends up doing is making people value a more authentic art and the less, like, fantasized art, less perfect art form. At least that's what I hope. And that's, like, what you see in some 
trends and genres, but... Yeah. Or even, like, I saw something the other day, someone, that people want to bring back raw denim, and I don't know much about denim, or front, or about fashion or not, anything, but I was like, oh, what are, like, how does raw denim, like, compare? What is the cost? And it's, like, cheap as hell. And it turns out it's cheap as hell because they're so stiff. Mm-hmm. And they're so <laughs> hard and raw, like, thick and, like, not, they don't fold or wrinkle like your pants. It's like, it's like snapping plywood in half. <laughs> and people literally pay other people to wear their raw denim je- jeans in. Like, they'll say, hey, I'll pay you $150 if you'll wear these for like a month to get them going and warm in. What? Yeah, just to get that like worn denim jean look. Okay, th- you're gonna have to remind me what that has to do with AI. Um. Oh, the raw and authentic part. Oh, with yeah, art yeah, yeah. forms. Yeah, I know that I went down a tangent, but I that's was, okay. I was trying to point out another industry, like fashion, has gone yeah, like everything absolutely. could be like synthetic and woven and made to look like something else. And okay, just- so let me ask you this: What do you think? Us as photographers, what what do we need to do to not become irrelevant? Yeah, it's it's hard because I think you guys are playing in like a playground where you don't have much control. I mean, I imagine it's a it's how a lot of people felt when it went from film to digital. Right, like, it, it. well, I think it's a bit different in some ways. Like, technical-wise, yes, but I think in selling yourself, maybe it's a different genre there. Um, yeah, technical-wise, there's, like, a lot of things that didn't have to be done like right but you you quickly learned that there's a lot of fundamentals that you can't cast aside like you could shoot on auto but you hit like a limit of really capturing what you want yeah the scene that you want because auto is not necessarily gauged for what you want it's gauged for how can i just get this freaking exposure level yeah and it's like what do i base it on i base it on whatever the hell the brightest thing is in the room yep but Maybe you're like, I want my son to be blown out because I want to try to capture that otter that you're not going to see otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, So I think that even with analog and digital, like you all get back, you know, like the craft is all about the control and having that access to all the raw data and knobs and being able to turn, like crank all the knobs. And I think that's... um, going to come back to the difference in AI is that people are going to want to see that you've you've really put in some delicate like work that's bespoke and they can't see it elsewhere which I don't know is that a challenge I guess so. they want to see more of the craft revealed what's that mean right exactly like you're already revealing as much as you can exactly yeah. what else am I what more can what more do I need to do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what scares me because already I see photos being shared, being claimed to be photographs. Right. And I can tell that they're not. Ugh. Right? And that's like the parts like, oh, let me reveal that 
life isn't always like what it looks like on the screen. Yeah. And, which is hard to bite off. And people don't quite understand that, like, anything that captures the world around you is processing in its own way. Not in the way that you perceive it. Like, even film doesn't always look <coughs> like people manipulate film. Right? They, they basically will process the, the negative in whatever way they like the best. They'll put it in the stop, and they'll put it up on the projector and get some photosensitive paper, and then they'll, like, dodge and burn that. You know, photosensitive paper reveals itself well. It's like all, everything just gets mixed through processes in which they change what you see. Yeah. It's hard to be like, if I have creative control over that, isn't that the same thing? Is that not similar to how people process film? So I took this picture the other day that was of a daffodil in the foreground with the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. In the background, and I just wanted to see if I could get something that was, like, slightly recreated in this dream app that I have. And it recreated... It didn't recreate what I did. No. I'll tell you that. But it did pretty... It did something similar. something similar. But, like, see, like, there's, like, two stars in the sky, (laughs) as opposed to, like, the Milky Way. Um... That's but a, I can edit with text. Look, put more stars in the sky. But still, they're not going to look real. I think that's the thing it doesn't quite capture. Is that, and I think this goes back to the raw and the real, is that there's a lot of, like, nature has a lot of randomness that is structured at the same time, which is really interesting. And you could see that in, like, the stars. They just look random, but then if you, like, analyze them closely enough like oh they're patterns those are galaxies in this part of this but at a distance it looks random and like tulips they all they don't all face the freaking same way they face random ways well mostly face the sun but like not everyone looks identical you know what i mean right <clears throat> and that's what i think ai is going to totally glance over because to a computer it's like i found the right object paste 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 yeah um and that's good enough because it met your criteria. Yeah. So. I think it uh, is limited when it comes to being able to think outside the box. Yeah. Um, I don't even think it can think outside the box, honestly. Because thinking outside the box implies that you're coming up with ideas that necessarily... You don't have any thing to base them on right yeah like so you have to bridge those ideas together which requires like total creative thought like yeah if i wanted a um let's say a bird rabbit what would that be like would i replace the head of a bird with the body of a no head of a bird with on a body of a rabbit is what i was trying to say or put the wings on a rabbit i don't know but I have to make a choice. I don't think the AI would understand. Yeah. It'd probably put a picture of a bird and a picture of a rabbit. Yeah. Unless you told it what to do. Yeah. Well, but I think for most people, if I said I wanted a bird rabbit, they would really understand you want like a hybrid of those two. Yeah. Um, it needs a lot of instruction. It needs a lot of guidance. And even then, I think if you, if the content it had as a source 
didn't match up with your guidance, then you're not going to get the output that you expect. Yeah. What about its ability to understand context? Yeah, different different AI have different abilities right now. But you're saying like if they're like the art one was as good as the language one? Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure they're working on that. And I'm pretty sure that's this what This is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what um Dolly is, the open AI's version. That costs money. That yeah, that one's like it generates it's some weird token, uh like I think it's like two microsens per token, but then it's like each token is a byte of data. So you can imagine like a five megabyte works out to be uh, how much is that? Is that six? Is that six? I guess five cents. Girl, I'm a photographer. So you start racking up the money quick. That's for every time it generates an image. Imagine how many times I've hit regenerate on my images. So, it's not very creative in its ability to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And it can't come up with context or take contextual clues. Yeah, not yet. But that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that one they're yet. On. That one's definitely the one in progress. That's like ChatGPT is very contextual. Yeah. And that one's good at yeah. understanding language. But that's the power of natural language. So right now they have a system, I just read about this too, that they're basically giving the artwork a prompt. And they have the image that they want. And they let the AI generate the image and they find tell to look for the errors. And they have another AI that also takes the... The image that the AI generated and tries to decompose it back into words and then feed it back into the system. And they're trying to get the two to correlate to what it should be. Like, because they know what the output should see, because that's the same thing as the input. Mm -hmm. But then you got to train it to not just like generate that out of random crap <laughs> because it said so. Yeah. Uh, so then they have like an actual image of what they would expect it to imply. And so like it tries to work its way both towards getting the output to line up with the image and getting the image to be what it should. Which makes things much worse for you guys as artists in some way. But I think AI can have its own category now. But... No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But at the same time, I also love AI. You know what I mean? Like, I mm -hmm. use ChatGPT all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible tool. Yeah. Would you trust it enough to copy and paste without ever looking at it? Output? No. Right. Not yet. Would you? But I trust a spell check in Word. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't ever question whether it spells a word right or not. I'm, like, I'm just like, yeah. If those red squiggles are going, Change I'm that. good. Mm, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, I need a comma there? Sure. Sounds better. The more commas, and the merrier. And we saw Microsoft Word become a thing. Right. And it definitely, like, you had to enable the dictionary. You had to make sure that word was in the dictionary. Punctuation, it didn't know shit about punctuation. Right. 
or like syntax, like a lot of those things. It's just like sp- sentences spelled. No, not even sense. Word is spelled wrong. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. That's true. It's gone from typewriter to chat GPT. <laughs> Fuck. No more Dewey Decimal <sighs> System. That shit's gone. Well, I guess the only thing I could say is I'm just going to get out there and keep creating because chat GPT or uh, AI hasn't taken over yet. Cool. Well, I absolutely feel no better about this than I did at the beginning of this interview. Okay. Well, but in the same sense... Let me, let me put this out there. There was, um, some time ago, there was a... Let's see, how many... What, 2023? So, like, four years ago, back when people really got on YouTube... A lot and they were putting out content on YouTube as a platform kind of prior to TikTok being the major platform um, on YouTube Roxy, on YouTube there was a uh, person that would go through take their videos make them like the main screen and they would be overlapping on the video where they'd have a split screen and they're like watching the video yeah. on the split screen and the video's playing on the main screen. Mm-hmm. And people were complaining at that time. They're like, you're making content out of my content. And they went to uh, a large um, lawsuit and the courts uh, ruled that that content indeed is original content. Hers. The re- well, this I don't know if it's her or him. But, uh, or are they, but it's Hussein Zadeh and versus Klein, if anybody wants to look that up. And that was a class action, or a lawsuit that the judge ruled in favor of the reaction videos. Interesting. So they can't do that anymore? No, they can. They, they're saying that's an original ex- form of expression. People are watching it not for the contents video, but for the person's oh, reaction to the content. Oh, I see. Yeah. So... Like, since a derivative is also an art form, AI is a derivative of your art. So AI is its own art form. Bitch, if someone steals my art, I'm going to be pissed. But there's nothing I can do, and I won't even know about it. Yeah. What about it makes you upset, though? What if... Okay, what if you were doing so well, right? You're making bank, right? Someone's out there copying your stuff. Would that bother you? Yes. Why? Because it's mine. What do you what what do you what are they doing with it? They're just copying it. Copying it and making it something completely different. No, what if they even copy it and make it the same and say it's theirs? Then that's stealing my art. I know. But um but why does it matter to you if you're if you got all the money in the world? Is it that they're trying to own something that you produced? Is it the art itself? Is it the moment? I'm trying to understand what... Is it the material thing? It's or is mine. It... <laughs> it's my art. Uh, I read something today that was like... Uh, artists don't paint on a canvas. They bleed on a canvas. You know what I mean? Like, that's my art. Yeah. I drove 1,500 miles to get that shot. Mm -hmm. I put myself in harm's way to get that shot. Yeah. 
they plugged it into AI. To be fair, they took your art and plugged it into AI. Exactly my point. Yeah. What about inspiration? How do you draw the line there? What do you mean? I think there's a definitive line with yours, like where the, if they literally took your picture and put it in there. What about the people that copy, like... Like they can say the words. They say the words, or they, like, do almost all the same things, but the slight flair on it. Let's say they copied someone's play, but made an old English, and then set it to a different time period. But all the words were the same, but the tone was different. So they said it's inspiration. Where's the line drawn? Fuck, I don't know. I think it's different with photography than it is a script. Yeah, there's like f digital property there. I mean, there seems like there's property in a script too. I feel like a script there could be renditions of, you know what I mean? Like, there are different renditions of Shakespeare. There are? Uh, of Romeo and Juliet, I meant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's different renditions of Hamlet. I get what you're saying. Yeah, like time period. Yeah, the whole thing is different. But um, There are different ways to tell the story. But when you're taking something that's an image and changing it, that's stealing. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. That's stealing. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Lens and Light. I'm your host, Amber Braxton, with Amber Braxton Fine Art. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion on the art of photography today, and I hope you join us next week for another exciting episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and until next time, go have an adventure.